This year, build your credit history with the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. No credit checks to apply. Get started at Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Chime checking account and 200 qualifying direct deposit required to apply. Hello and welcome back to another crossover episode between the DFS Today podcast, presented by Sports Ethos, and my podcast, The Advantage. We are going to continue doing these joint episodes all NFL season long as I continue to take over the DFS Today feed. And let me say, based on week one results, it's for good reason. But before I recap what happened, let's start how we always do and say, Today is Tuesday, September 13th, which means today's episode is a discussion about the spend-up options for week two of DFS. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. You can find me at mfiddle14 on Twitter. You could also find me live streaming on Sundays before kickoff on YouTube. Our Sports Ethos Fantasy Football Podcaster, JP Sticko, is doing a Sundays with Sticko show every week to discuss the start sits and I'll be joining him on these shows to give my fantasy two cents my DFS core my best bets still left on the board on Sunday morning or Sunday right before kickoff so follow me on Twitter check me out on the Sunday show if you want to know what I look like get a live video of me And also rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you are listening on the DFS Today feed, do me a big, big favor. Let me get a written review on whatever platform you're listening and give me some feedback about how I'm doing. I would love to know how these shows are going for you. And if you want to reach out to me on Twitter, that would be totally acceptable as well. Okay, today's show has a few segments that will culminate in the main topic of today, which again... Tuesday edition of the show, which means spend up options for DFS week two. But the topics that we're going to cover today are first, a quick week one recap, then a discussion on unit distribution for betting and building a bankroll, a quick bit of gambling advice for you guys. Then I will do a week two look ahead at the betting odds, the lines I like, and the early market trends. And then finally, a glance at the DraftKings board, position by position, and discussing anyone relevant and priced as a spend-up. I should probably define what spend-up means. Uh, Let's do anyone priced over 7K or the top five players at that position if there aren't five players over $7,000. That seems reasonable. Tweet at me if you think I should do something different for a cutoff. I came up with that... um, seven seconds ago on the fly, so I'm open to suggestions. Okay, topic one, week one. Okay, I don't want to overdo these recaps. Short and simple and more to keep me honest and establish some sort of credibility with you guys as the audience. I don't want to go in-depth about what happened in the football games because there are plenty of other voices that speak football a lot better than I do. And that content is literally everywhere since it's NFL week one, whether you're watching ESPN, 
reading articles online, listening to other sports podcasts. There's plenty of other ways to digest what happened on the football field. When you come to this podcast, we're talking about what's happening in the betting market, the betting trends, where the money is, where the line movement is, and where the angles to find value in the next upcoming slate happens to be. So the recap sounds something like this. Week one was dominant on the DFS front. I won five out of six contests I entered, and I hit fairly big in some GPP tournaments. A normal weekend for me is about $100 in entry fees. This week was $60 across six different contests, and I returned $680 in winnings. I will always post my lineups to Twitter right when the 4 o'clock games start and the contest locks in. So you can go to Twitter, my Twitter right now and see a picture of both my lineups from this past Sunday. The core I gave out did incredibly well. The stack of Mahomes and Kelsey proved to be the best stack on the board. Fellas, that's why we spend up on QBs. You find the guy who can break the slate and open things up. The other QB I said I was eyeing and played in a second lineup was a combination stack between Jalen Hurts with A.J. Brown. And that did pretty freaking well too. I ended up also playing Jamar Chase as a spend up. Sheesh, it was a good day. The middle range options I gave out were DeAndre Swift, Saquon, and Michael Pittman. Those guys all broke the slate for their respective price ranges. They were all priced in the 6Ks while scoring 30 points, which is nearly a 5X on their point-to-price ratio. The value options I gave out, it just didn't stop. I said I was eyeing Jahan Dotson of the Commanders. Two touchdowns for him. Romeo Dubs was in both of my lineups as a core piece. He had nine points and held down his own with a 3x point ratio. I gave out Gerald Everett as a cheap tight end on the YouTube show, even though I played Kelsey myself, and Everett had a nice 40 yards and a touchdown. When things go this well, you have instances where you place $5 in a tournament and win $250, and $5 in another and win $400. It was an unreal start for the DFS Today podcast, and it is going to bankroll a significant portion of the upcoming season for us. On the betting side, I went 8-4 and four on Sunday but 9-7 total for week one because I was 1-3 during the Monday and Thursday primetime games. But 9-7 total for week one, plus 680 in the DFS space. I will take it. That is a dominant week one. Things went according to plan. We hit on the bets that we identified closing line value. We played the DFS front incredibly well. We stuck to our gut about chasing a high-value quarterback and a luxury stack. And we came away majorly victorious. That's the week one recap. It will always sound something like that. It's going to be how I did in DFS, how I did in the betting, short and simple, not overly talking about players and what happened in plays and stuff like that. We need to use it to establish some sort of credibility and then quickly move on. Heck of a start, though. The results won't always be like that. We simply hope to return more money 
than we put in each week. But we don't hope to come away. I mean, we guess we hope, but we don't expect to come away with a 10x on a Sunday. That leads us into segment two, building a bankroll and doing unit distribution. If you want to get good at this, and I assume you do because you're listening to a DFS and gambling podcast to learn about how to get good at this, then unit distribution and knowing how to manage your bankroll is an essential key to success. If you are newish to my show, whether on the DFS Today feed or new since the NBA season on the Advantage feed, unit distribution is essential to winning, and I have basic tips, tricks, and a method to doing such. I might speak out loud some math formulas in the next few minutes, so feel free to like slowly listen, play it back, pause, repeat. This stuff is super important. Truth be told, I need our sports ethos head, Dan Bezbriz, to be here. He used to be a math tutor, so he could explain this how it should be taught. I'm just going to do my best and roll on anyways. One unit is equal to 1.2% of your bankroll. Take the total in your online betting account, multiply that number by 0.012, and boom, you have your unit. In a normal situation, you have a line that is a minus 110 and you bet 1.1 units to win one. That means take your unit size that you just calculated, multiply it by 1.1, and boom, you now have your standard wagering amount. Now, what happens when you start winning or you start losing? Let's do the bad news first because we're humans, so we innately prefer prefer negative news to keep us more engaged. Here's what to do with your unit size if you start to lose. Nothing. Don't change it. Down 10 units. Long hair. Don't care. Don't ever change your unit size if you are losing. In this hypothetical situation, if you are listening to this podcast and you find yourself down money after week one, do not reduce your bet size. Certainly, we are not going to increase it to chase a break even So I'm not even going to entertain talking about that nonsense on this podcast. But let me explain why you wouldn't reduce your bet size. The idea here is if 1.2% of your bankroll is one unit, then you can lose 83 units before you go broke. And my strong, strong, strong feeling is that if you have a smart pattern like we talk about on this show, If you track key numbers and get on the better side of the odds going into games with a ticket with plus CLV, closing line value, then you will eventually find yourself in the positive before you've lost 83 units. If you lose 83 units and your entire bankroll, the best advice I can give you is to stop betting on sports. But let's hope that we do this the right way. You listen to my advice. You start learning how to be patient and getting the right number and getting plus EV, expected value, on your tickets, 
and you win at a higher clip than 52.4%, the break-even rate with a house cut of the AKA minus 110. And that's when we find ourselves in the positive and building a bankroll. When we start winning, here's how we keep the snowball going. Every time you eclipse a new plus five units threshold, which means you've increased your bankroll by 6%. If a unit is 1.2% and you increase by five units, you times five by 1.2 and you have 6% increase in your bankroll. At this point, you do a reset on your calculations and you find a new 1.2% unit and you find a new standard wagering amount by taking your unit size and multiplying it by the 1.1. So with very basic numbers, this means if you start a bankroll with 100 bucks, your unit is $1.20 and your average bet size is $1.32 to try and win $1.20. Then when your account reaches $106, aka you've increased your bankroll by 6%, you then do a new calculation and find your unit has become $1.27 and your average bet size is $1.40. So as we start to win, we start to slowly increase our wagering amount at scale. If you start winning and say you're up 10 units, up 15 units, and then start losing and start going back down, you do still do not alter your unit size. Never change it. Once it goes up, never bring it back down. Keep going with that new unit and stay consistent with the method and just wait until you get to a plus five units before you get to a minus 83 units. Okay, that's section two of the podcast about unit distribution and building a bankroll. I'll do another gambling advice section next Tuesday. Maybe we'll learn how to calculate implied probability of bets. Topic three. Now is when we start the look ahead to week two. Lines, totals, movement, market trends, instant reactions, and early bets. This week starts off on Thursday with the Chiefs Chargers on Thursday night football and 99% chance I don't have any bets on this game. I originally put in a minus 3.5 Chiefs ticket on FanDuel because I saw that 77% of the money was on the Chiefs and I thought maybe if this line moves, it will move to minus 4 before it moves to minus 3 Ultimately, I don't think this line is going to end up moving. I ended up cashing out of that ticket at equal value because I actually lean towards the Chargers because this is their like Super Bowl. This is one of their biggest games of the season. This is something they've had circled on their calendar all offseason. This is like, hey, if the Chargers are going to be a real team this year, you got to go get the big dog in your division, which starts week two against the Chiefs. So I actually really like the Chargers in this game. But then again, if you saw the Chiefs play in week one, you certainly cannot bet against the Chiefs right now. So let's take an old adage from our friend and pro gambler Raheem Palmer, who would tell you, 
our advantage as a gambler is that we don't have to bet every game. The books and the lines makers have to set a line for every single game. Where we don't have to bet, we can pick our spots and jump into the markets where we find there is value. This line at minus 3.5 is super sharp, and I'd like to stay away. I also lean towards the over in this game, but that line's at like 54, 54 and a half. Again, too high of a number where you're not getting good value on either side of the important numbers like the 51 or the 52 for NFL totals, that at 54 and a half, it's a clear avoid, even though it's probably going to be a very high scoring contest. Here are some of the other lines that I like for Sunday and already have bets on. The reasoning for all of these games is pretty much the same. There's an overreaction to week one games in the public. The Sharps are smashing the lines the other way. Phone call. And the percent of money bet on one side versus the percent of bet slips on the other are misguided, showing that there is value on the side to follow the money and fade the slips. That starts with Patriots minus 1.5 for a full unit. This is shaping up to be my favorite bet on the board, taking the Pats to win. There's a huge overreaction to how bad the Patriots might be and the Steelers beating the Bengals. Both of these defenses are elite. Both quarterbacks are subpar. This is going to be low scoring. So I'm also actually going to take the under 40.5. And I like the Patriots to try and force Mitchell Trubisky to beat them while taking out a guy like Deontay Johnson. Good luck. Najee is already out. TJ Watt is already out. Look for the Patriots to run, control the game, control the clock, and win. Patriots minus 1.5. Patriots Pittsburgh Steelers under 40.5. Two of my favorite bets on the board this week. Second game I like is Lions versus Commanders. I'm on Lions minus 1.5. Again, 1.1 units to win one. Similar situation here. The Lions are 0-1 and the Commanders are 1-0. Except the Lions played the Eagles, who we all know the Sharps love this season. And the Commanders played the Jaguars, where they had a crazy game-winning reach around the back of the defensive back by a rookie wide receiver to beat the Jaguars. All wins are not equal here. Lions at home, you know they play hard as hell. Look for the Lions to get back on track and get their first win of the season, like the Lions minus 1.5. The third game I like is between the Seattle Seahawks and the San Francisco 49ers. I'm on the Seahawks 49ers under 43, for a full 1.1 units. Trey Lance versus Geno Smith with two pretty good defenses. This line is going to be bet down in the coming days. If you get this anywhere north of 41.5, it's a good bet in my opinion. Make sure you're on the north side of the key number of 41. I'm also on the Seahawks plus 8.5 for another full unit. Am I a Seahawks fan now? If you guys were listening to my podcast this offseason, you know I touted the Seahawks as the most undervalued team in the NFL 
because everyone was expecting them to suck and to tank when the organization itself showed no signs of doing that. So they want to remain competitive, and they believe they can. So, thus, I believe they can. They clearly did that going 1-0 against the Broncos. I cashed a nice plus 6.5 on their point spread, and now I'm back to the well with a plus 8.5 ticket on the Seahawks against the 49ers. This is also a really smart betting situation because you have a low game total, like I just said, it's 43, and it's sharp towards the under. So there's a huge advantage by taking the plus points on a big point spread. It's just logical. If there's less total points scored in the game, it becomes harder to cover and win by more than nine points. Give me the under at a good number and the plus points on the Seahawks, who I continue to scream from the mountaintops that they are mispriced, undervalued, and not tanking, and now 1-0 and playing in a divisional game. Ugh. I love this spot again for the Seahawks. Two more bets on the board, and we're taking two favorites here. Colts minus 4.5, full unit. I am still very high on the Colts. I'm not overreacting to a bad offensive first half, which put their defense in really tough spots and ultimately set up a tie with the Texans. It's okay. Let's not overreact. They're still in first place in their division because everyone else lost, and again, they tied the Texans. No sweat off their back. Let's ride the Colts again into week two. Jaguars look to maybe be a sell. Is Lawrence really such a great prospect? I think we need more time to evaluate, but it doesn't look super special to me, like a combination of the cerebral 6'5", handsome quarterback. It was hyped up to be Justin Herbert, and it's just not. So Colts minus 4.5 versus Jaguars is another bet that I like. Packers minus 9.5. Now, taking such a big favorite, minus 9.5, scares me a little bit after the Packers looked so atrocious in week one. But we know the Packers regularly look atrocious in week one. We know the Bears just came off a monsoon rain victory. So they might be a little mispriced and misunderstood because they had a big win, but they won because of the weather conditions being a huge variable in the game. And the Packers are also at home. They went on the road in the previous game. The Bears were playing at home. Now that flips, Packers are home. Bears are on the road. And Aaron Rodgers, like he said last season, has always owned the Chicago Bears. So I'm going to get on the minus 9.5 now because 10 is a key number and 9 is not a key number. It's more important that we get this at 9.5 because if it moves to 9, it's not that big of an advantage. But if it moves to minus 10, it's a much bigger disadvantage. So jump in on it now. Only half a unit on that play since it is such a big spread. Okay. Topic four. We finally made it. The content that you guys have been waiting for. The Tuesday edition of the show. DFS spend-ups for the Sunday slate, September 18th which has 12 games this week. Again, the cutoff for this discussion today is anyone priced over $7,000 or the top five at that respective position. Let's go through them position by position, 
starting with quarterback. There are three players above 7K. Kyler, Lamar, and Russ. And to round out the top five, Joe Burrow at 66 and Tom Brady at 64. I'm leaving out Dak here. He's priced at 6,700, but he's just out injured. So let's not even count him in the top five. It's clear to me who the play is here. It's Kyler. No questions asked. Kyler is my quarterback. He's in the core. Enough said. Russ looks like he needs more time. Lamar is playing in another game, being sharp towards the under. That Baltimore-Miami game total opened at 45.5, is now down to 44. Big line movement means heavy, sharp action on the under. I missed the boat to bet it, sadly, at a good number. But it means no way I'm playing Lamar this week for DFS. Let's hope Lamar is actually a common candidate for other teams who might be scared after what they saw from Kyler versus the Chiefs in week one. I'm not overreacting. Take Kyler. No second thoughts. Kyler is in the core. At running back, seven players above 7K. Jonathan Taylor, my guy CMC, Kamara, Saquon, Mixon, Chubb, and Swiffles, DeAndre Swift. Let me mention two names actually right below Swift because both of them intrigue me. James Conner and Lenny Fournette. The Kyler and Connor stack seems like it might be a viable plan for week two. I love Jonathan Taylor. 31 touches last week. Monster. But again, we got to remember that that game was in overtime. So it was five quarters. So we had, what, 20% more volume than in a normal game. But still, volume is just so loud there. He's going to likely get 100 and a TD in nearly every game. Jonathan Taylor, super safe, and that's why it costs 10K. CMC this week, no, I'm out. Giants just held Derrick Henry to sub 10 points in a game, and now they play against CMC. I just don't want to be involved in that. Kamara, maybe. With the amount of pressure Tampa brings in a game that could be pass-heavy script, it's intriguing to play Kamara. So we'll keep that one as a possibility. Saquon, no. Not after he just went up 1300 bucks and was the best running back in week one. It's probably going to be a bit chalk this week, and I don't want to chase someone after they were just the number one player and their price went up substantially. Mixon. Sure, Mixon, super reliable, heavily involved. Keep in mind, Mixon's game also went five quarters, basically since that Steelers-Bengals game was had almost a tie and a full overtime. So his stats are also 20% louder based on volume than they should be. But still, Mixon versus Dallas should be winning, should be running. Mixon is safe and as good as it gets. Chubb versus the Jets. Sure, but probably not. You just don't know if it's going to be him or Hunt on a given week. And considering Hunt's TD prowess, Let's avoid Chubby Chubb for now. DeAndre Swift. Get out your Swift for sweeper. Yes. I absolutely love Swift. Until the market corrects, I think we can continue to back Swift a lot. This guy is really, really, really good. Consider him an absolutely viable core option. And then lastly, James Conner and Leonard Fournette. 
Yes to both. Both should be in good game scripts. Both should be with good offenses. Both are their goal line backs. I really like Connor and Fournette this week. You even had Tom Brady say that he stole a touchdown from Fournette. So maybe he looks to get him one back in week two. For wide receivers, we have Cup, Adams, Chase, Debo, and Tyreek. Those are the top five names and the only five players priced above 7K. Perfect for our cutoff. Cup, yes, he's my favorite. No surprise there. I'm probably going to have Cup in my lineup this week. He's going against the Falcons. The Rams are at home. They absolutely need a win. They really have no other viable weapons. I think Cup is probably another lock for 10 catches, 100 yards, and a good chance at a TD. I really, really like Cup this week. Stafford-Cup combo could be a stack, could be a core if I deviate away from Kyler. But yeah, Cup is a Cup is a guy. Devontae Adams. Yes. I mean, it should be a high-scoring game, and he gets the ball so much. It does worry me a little bit how limited Renfro and Waller's looks were. And that offense just totally stunk. Chargers defense is really good, though. Maybe they look to get other players involved, but there may be better options than Devontae. But again, I'm not going to say no because he's so freaking good. And he's also a reverse stack to Kyler. So if you play Kyler and you think that game is going to be a total shootout and you want to get Devontae Adams on the other side, again, that's a positive correlated play for the DFS space. Jamar Chase. Yes. I mean... I feel similarly to these other guys. He's just too good for me to say no. I'm probably not playing Chase this week. I had him last week. I loved him. He's incredible. T. Higgins is out, so maybe he gets more looks. They're going against the Cowboys. Uh, Joe Burrow turned the ball over five times. There could be more possessions, more points for the Bengals. Chase has got to be an option. Debo Samuel. No. I'm out. Game is being majorly sharp to the under. It's an in-division game, and Trey Lance has a lot to prove. So no to Debo for me. We also need to wait on the George Kittle news. If he plays, that's less target share for Debo. The one thing that does bode well for a guy like Debo is that Elijah Mitchell is out. So Debo is going to get more running workload as early as week two. Look for Debo to get involved. He might be their red zone running back. He's going to get a few end around and gadget plays. They get him the ball because he's their best playmaker. But again, this game is an in-division game and being majorly sharped down towards the under. Over-unders at 43, like I mentioned before. And I already have a bet ticket on the under. So I will not correlate and play a player in DFS where I'm on the game's under. Not smart. Tyreek Hill is also a no for me. Same thing. Game being sharp towards the under. Same game as Lamar, I mentioned earlier. Tua also might have a noodle for an arm, so it's just not worth it. Tight end. There's no options over $7,000, but the top five price players are Andrews, Kittle if he plays, but I doubt it, Waller, Pitts, Schultz, and let's throw Hawkinson in there if Kittle is out. Um, No to Andrews. Again, sharp towards the under. 
Miami-Baltimore is a game to avoid in the DFS space. The same reason why we're avoiding Tyreek. The same reason why we're avoiding Lamar. That game's game total opened at 45 and a half and has now crossed the key number of 44 and is all the way down to 43 and a half. Don't play anyone from that game. Unless it's like a real value dart throw. Darren Waller, uh, definitely an option for Waller in a reverse stack to Kyler sense. But I don't love that the Raiders have so many weapons and his value probably reflects previous seasons where his target share was much higher. Kyle Pitts, no. I actually expect a good game from him, but you just can't, you know, take him this week after having two catches for 20 yards in week one. And now he's playing in LA against the Rams with Marcus Mariota. Nope, Kyle Pitts is not an option this week. Dalton Schultz, no. No Dak, no Schultz. Simple math formula. Hawkinson, sure. I actually like Hawk this week. I'm on the Lions, so I think Hawk is really solid. We will talk about value options for tight end uh, Thursday. Defenses. Rams, 49ers. Broncos, Browns, Ravens, Colts. Those are the top six defenses on the board. Let's keep this short and simple. It's the Browns or the Colts. Easy decision for the spend up options this week for defenses. For lower priced defenses, you could go with the Miami Dolphins playing against Lamar if you want to play into that under. That's an option. Or perhaps the Lions against the Commanders. The DFS optimizers are going to give out Miami and Lions as main defenses. They're going to be fairly chalk plays for budget defenses. So if you're not going with a spend-up option, again, we'll discuss these on Thursday again, you'd be looking at Browns or Colts as spend-ups and Miami or Detroit as budgets. All right, that wraps up our week two Tuesday episode where we're discussing these spend-up options for the DFS Sunday Slate. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Please follow me on Twitter, at mfiddle14. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you are listening. If you are listening on the DFS Today feed, I would love some written feedback in the reviews of the podcast form to get some feedback on that channel. And check me out on Sundays, Sundays with Sticko, the Sports Ethos YouTube page. We will be live from 12.15 to 12.45 every Sunday morning, giving out last-minute advice, weather updates, sit-starts, best bets, and DFS cores. What a week one, and I cannot wait for week two. As always, peace out.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.